0: Well, good morning. I'm so glad that each and every one of you is here. Uh, my name is Jason, one of the pastors here at uh, Community Church and wherever you are on your journey, it is good to be together. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you that we can come to you with the intimacy of a child in need and with the humility of a servant before a king. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the truth that you are our resurrected king and you are resurrecting us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are with us in the midst of our pain. We thank you that even though you are in very nature God, you understand our pain and have experienced our pain. We look forward to the day when you will wipe away every tear and you will restore all things. But we acknowledge that today is not that day. And we come before you in our brokenness, in faith, asking you for hope and for healing. We pray this morning for Daniel and Shay who lost their full-term baby, Kit Juliet, this past week. Would you wrap your loving arms around them and care for them today? Would you remind them of the real promise of eternity and the real presence of your love today? Be with them as they heal. Be with their small group and our community as we care for them. We also ask that you would bring comfort and hope to those here today whose own losses are brought to mind in this moment. Lord, as we look to the pain in our world, we cannot help but cry out to you on behalf of the most vulnerable in our community. We thank you for the lives that may be saved because of the recent legal decision in our land. We remember the words of David in Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We acknowledge, Lord, that you are the author of life. And we rejoice fully in the protection of life. We also pray for those who in this moment may feel alone and afraid and at risk. Give us eyes to see Jesus as you see. Where our politics and our pride cloud our vision. Give us a greater vision of who you are. Our hearts break for those who are desperate and feel like they're at the end of their rope. May they put their faith, their trust in you. We ask that you continue, Lord, to align our hearts with your heart for the poor, the widow, the immigrant, the orphan. Guide our political leaders, guide our medical and mental health professionals, guide our school teachers, administrators, guide our churches, guide us as we seek your wisdom in helping those who feel helpless. May we, as your beloved disciple John, instructs us not love simply with words or tongue, but with our actions and in truth. May our love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that we may be able to discern what is best, and we may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Fill us with the fruit of your righteousness. Lord, open our hearts and minds. Holy Spirit be our teacher. This morning, as we open up your word together, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. That's a heavy prayer this morning for a heavy time. Well, let me begin with a question for you this morning, a lighthearted question. Is Jesus worth your best work? Is Jesus worth your best work? Some of you this morning may answer with a resounding yes with your words. Your life may or may not be aligned with that answer. I was thinking about that gap and I was reminded of um, my boys when they were in high school. And, you know, you, you, you would say, okay, do you, do you love your family? Do you appreciate what you've been given? Do you, do you appreciate the meal at your table? Do you appreciate the bed that you sleep in? Do you appreciate all the opportunities? Oh, yes, 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 of course we appreciate that. We love you. Could you do a little bit of work around the house to help out? Could you at least flush the toilet? Does it really require a college degree to put dishes in the dishwasher and unload them. Apparently it does. Now they're all married and they have spouses to guide them in their next step of sanctification. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. I'm getting that from the crowd. But there's a gap sometimes. And that question is Jesus worth the work when I look in the mirror I, I there's a gap. There's a gap. There's a gap between what I believe to be true with my words, what I want to be true. And if I I, I look at my life sometimes, there's a gap. Now, that's the question that's underneath the question in our series. We call this thing, we've been calling this thing Generous Rhythms and we've been looking at, really, the heart. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That somehow our hearts and our stuff in our deepest desires, and our deepest drives, there's a connection here. And we've been working on some of these seek first rhythms. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. So we're trying to get things aligned and we've been challenged by the word of God to take a look at what we do with what we've been given. Last week, we painted a picture of this uh, kind of based on Jesus' parable of uh, uh, the rich fool where he got this tremendous blessing from God. And um, his first response was, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build bigger barns to store all of my stuff. And we define that as the dream of ease, And we said, when you invest in the dream of ease, you rob yourself of the joy of impact. Well, today we're going to return to another one of Jesus' core teachings that will challenge us to look at what's at the very core. What's at the very core of who we are? And how do we align our hearts to Jesus' heart? Is Jesus... Worth your best. Is he worth your best? I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, verse 25, or chapter 25. Just a little bit of a backstory here. This is towards the end of Matthew's gospel, and Jesus is <clears throat> preparing for the cross. He's a couple days out. And he has just left the temple. And he has just ripped the Pharisees. He's given them all these woes. He's ripped them of their hypocrisy. And then he walks out of the temple and he says, you know, this temple is going to be destroyed. Well, that's a big deal to say. It's a big deal to say. It's going to be destroyed. And it actually would. In, In a few decades, it would actually be destroyed. And then he starts Um, you know, to talk about the end times a little bit and his return. And his disciples are like, again, they're young. (laughs) They're like my kids' age. They're in their 20s probably, maybe younger than that. And they're like, help us understand this, Jesus. When's it going to be? How do we think through this? How do we act in the meantime? And Jesus is going to give them a series of parables about the kingdom. He's going to say the kingdom of heaven is like this. And we said last week that a parable, it's this this side-by-side story that we're invited to to hold up to our lives. And there's there's an earthly story with a, a deeper heavenly meaning, but it's also just like a rock in your shoe that stays there and reminds you and says, hey, I want to make you a little bit uncomfortable here. We don't want to build a whole theology about how we're saved and all this by one parable. Parables are designed to answer a question at the moment with a particular audience. We need to understand that from the outset. But Jesus is going to respond to their questions. In Matthew 24, he says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Anybody trying to figure it out? (laughs) Good luck. We don't know. He does say this, though, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. We live in what we call the already and the not yet. Jesus has already died. He's already risen, but he has not yet returned, and we live in the middle. We live in the mess in the middle, the pain in the middle. We look forward with expectation. We look back and we celebrate, but we are in the right now where it's a little bit Messy. So let's go to the parable. Take you to verse 14. Again, it, the kingdom of heaven, would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained 5 bags more. So also the one who with 2 bags of gold gained 2 more. But the man who had received 1 bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received 5 bags of gold brought the other 5 master, he said you entrusted me with 5 bags of gold. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You got a rock in your shoe? Now, let's take a look at the parable. Is Jesus worth your best? How do we answer that question? Let's make a few observations about the parable. We have this master who is going away on a journey. It's a long journey. And he entrusts his wealth to three servants. Now, if you look at the translations and, you know, the, the more familiar translation to many might be this word talents. A talent is a measurement of weight, a, a, a unit of money. Now, the scholarship varies a little bit on this, that, uh, but most say that the talent is equ- equivalent to like 20 years of a laborer's wage. Depending on how skilled the laborer is, we could do some math. I'm going to work in round numbers here. Okay, and as we, as we think about that, 20 years, let's call it a million dollars. Can we do that? The point, though, is it's a lot. This is not just small change here. This is a lot of money that has been entrusted to these servants. Now, the master goes away, and he leaves them instructions. He says, I'm going away. So you have some time. You have some time. I'm giving you money according to your abilities. You have some resources. You have some skills. It's my wealth, my money, but I'm entrusting you with it based on your abilities. So there's time, it's the old pastoral alliteration here. There's time, there's talent, and there's treasure. It's all three. Servant one, what does he do? He goes to work right away, and he turns the five into ten. The master says, uh, he says to the master, you have entrusted me with this, and I have doubled it. That's a good thing. That's good news. And he gets a threefold fold reward. First of all, he gets praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. He gets a promise. You are faithful with a few things, but I will put you in charge of much more. And he gets the presence of the master. Enter into the happiness, or the joy of your master. There is a threefold promise that the servant receives. That's a beautiful response. I'd like to hear those words someday. The second one, well, same deal. He gets to work, he doubles the money. Receive the same, he receives the same words of praise and promise. Now he doubles it according to his abilities and all those things, and we could say more about that, but we are, let's acknowledge that we have been given different, we've been entrusted with different amounts of ability and stuff and all that kind of thing. The reward, the praise, all those things are the same. So let's end the message right now and feel good about the reward, and, and let's, let me just give you a positive message of encouragement and go out and work hard for the kingdom and look forward to that great day. It's not what Jesus does. We got servant number three to deal with. it has been a rock in my shoe all week. Let me take you back to the verses 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Let's make a few observations. What is his first response? What did the others say? You entrusted me with this. No, 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 not servant number three. Master, I knew that you are a hard man. Where does this come from? I knew that you were a hard man. I knew that you you, you did all these things. Uh, You know, you you harvest where you have not sown. You gathered where you have not scattered seed. At at best, he's saying uh, something like this. You know, you're really harsh and demanding. At worst, there's a hint of this that says, you take things that don't belong to you. What is this? This is a response. This is an accusation against the character of the master. He fails to see the goodness of the master. He fails to see the generosity of the master. So he says, I was afraid. I hit it in the ground. Now, this is, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard this before. And I was, why does he hide it? Why does he hide it? Think about that for. He couldn't just put it in the bank. I mean Jesus is going to pick that up. But if we put it in the bank, whose name would it be under? It'd be under the master's. If he hides it, maybe the master won't come back. Maybe it's maybe I can take it. Now what's Jesus say? His master replied, "You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. There's sarcasm in that. If if you think this about me, I've just given you a million dollars and this is how you're going to treat me? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Wicked and lazy. That's what he receives. It's not words of praise, but it's wicked and lazy. It's not a promise of greater things today. It's, it's a loss. Take it from him. And most painfully, it's not presence. It's banishment. It's isolation. Send him into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a biblical phrase that suggests a deep anger, a deep bitterness, a deep pain of regret. I don't want to build a whole thing about heaven and hell around this. I just want you to sit in that pain of bitterness and regret and isolation that's painted. Weeping. Gnashing of teeth. There's a deep pain of regret that I can feel as I read the text. Now, what do we do with this parable? What do we do with it? How do we, how do we, how do we take this, you know, really old story that might be familiar to some, maybe new to others, and you're like, how do we, what do I? What do I do with this? How do I interpret it? What's Jesus' main point? I want to take you back to that question. Is Jesus worth your best? Is he worth your best? In our time, Jesus, the master, he died on the cross. He rose. He's ascended into heaven and he will come back. That's where we are right now. How are we to live as we await his return? What do we do with what he's entrusted to us? That's what I think the parable is getting at. How do we, what's our motivation? How do we, how do we work? Why do we work? Now, as I wrestled with this this week, this is where I believe the Lord led me to apply it to us all today. This is how I picture it. You and I, one day, we're going to stand before Jesus. And we're going to give an account. We're going to give an account. The first question that's going to be asked of us is, you know, did you trust Jesus? Did you put your faith in him? And there's other questions, but I want to, want to pause there for just a second. And I believe, and, and I'm going <clears> to <throat> use some modern technology in an ancient story. This is where I want you to think of it. I believe there are two films that we have when we stand before Jesus. I think there's two films. I think there's a, a film of our sin and there's a film of our works. Let's talk about that sin film first. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is my failure to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. My failure to love my neighbor as myself. It's all those things. And there's a, there's a record of that. You can't edit it. That film is there. Jesus sees that film. Jesus took nails on that cross for that film. Jesus died. Jesus rescues us from the power of sin and death. That's the good news of the gospel. When I put my faith and my trust in Christ, that film is taken care of. I don't have to bear the punishment that I deserve from that film. Amen? When you really think about that, how do you respond? Because I don't know about you, but I got things on that film that I deserve something for. But Jesus has paid the penalty for that film. Paul explains it this way in uh, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast." That film, that sin film, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, is taken care of. There's another film, though, that I want to talk about, and that's what I'm simply calling the works film. You and I will, if, if we believe, the, if what the Bible says is true, you and I will stand before Jesus, and we will give an account of what we have done. Now, my works film isn't what saves me. Let's get that straight right now. Grace through faith, it's the cross, it's all that. If you're sitting here today and you got questions about that, let's talk about that. But no matter how good my works film is, that is not what's going to save me. No matter how many bad things, horrible things are on that sin film, Jesus paid it all, and it is finished on the cross. And there is a time when you and I will be called to account before Jesus and give us an account of our works film. Continuing in Ephesians 2, verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, or workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. My works film doesn't save me. But when I understand what I have been saved from, I ought to have something on that works film. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5:10: For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So you and I, we're going to sit with Jesus, and we're going to give an account of what we've done with what we've been given. Is Jesus worth your best work? Once you've Wrestled that to the ground, we got to pay attention to that film. Now, I want to give you three things you can do with that. Once you believe, once you've wrestled the question to the ground that Jesus is worth your best work. go back to that sin film. When I see that, that does something in here. It says, Jesus is worth my best work. Now, let me be super practical with you here. You know why? I want you ready for that day. I want you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't, I don't want you to live with regret. I don't want you to get to that day With regret. So now what? I want to give you three things. First of all, watch the film of your work. Watch the film of your work. Now I'm going to be super practical here. I want you to take an hour this week and I want you to watch the film. Mark it on your count, but set up a time Take at least an hour and say, I'm going to sit down and I'm going, to, I'm going to ask the Lord. I'm going to say, show me the film of my works. Show me the film of my works. What's, what's there? Now, I'm an old coach, and i got to give you a quick coaching story. I'll give you a little coach speak here this morning. Several years ago, I was coaching a football game, and we were um, playing horribly. It was ugly. And there was a lightning storm at the game, which from our perspective was a gift from God. <laughs> because what it did is it stopped the game. And we went inside to school and I got kids looking at whatever YouTube stuff on their phone. They're talking to their, they are, their heads are nowhere close to that stadium. But we had this opportunity. We got to go uh, they canceled the game for that day, and we got to come back and play the following Saturday. So what do you think we did Saturday morning? Yeah, no big deal. We played horribly. Let's just line up. No, no, no. With technology, we watched that film. We sat down, and we broke it down, and we had tactical things. We could change. But more than anything, we said, you know what? Um, let's watch the film. Is that your best effort? I got, I got really... Uh, sophisticated coaching advice play harder work so we watched that film we came back cleaned things up I don't know what the other team did but we we won the game it was a great thing I want to challenge you this morning take some time and watch the film watch the film what will you see now I don't want you to sit in the pain of regret. I, I, you know, we look at that film and I, I, I see all the fun of the, of the camp and I know that there are great things to come. We're going to hear more stories about that. But I'm like, we've got some volunteers that gave up a week's work, a week's vacation to pour into our kids. That's going to be on that film. We, we've, we've given resources to impact partners around the world. People have come to Jesus because of contributions I think of Clay and Renee in our church and two boys and two foster kids and I said Clay said hey I took these four boys camping Friday night I said how was it he, w- he said uh, 100% work and 100% fun that's gonna be on the film there's some good things happening there so there's good things we can celebrate There's also missed opportunities. When I think of my works film, one of my regrets is going to be the gap between good intention and execution. Between the good ideas, and I thought about this, and I'd like to do this, and wouldn't it be nice if, and what I actually did. The things that didn't actually show up on a calendar or a bank account. That's going to be on that. So we need to watch the film. Second thing we need to do, I believe, is adjust our rhythms. What adjustment will you make? When you look at it, when we watched the film of the game, we, we, we made some changes. <clears throat> I did this the other day. I, had, I was moving a bunch of wood. I was telling you about my deck and all that last week and uh, taking seats out of my van, and I noticed that I... I I didn't put the seat back in the way it should be. And I was gonna transport my granddaughter. And I'm like, I looked at that and I played that forward and I said, what if I didn't adjust that seat? What if I were just lazy, didn't fix it? Oh my goodness, I couldn't live with that regret so I fixed the seat. Sometimes we just have to make an adjustment to our rhythms. And we need to start. We need to start giving. We need to start giving of ourselves, our resources. The Old Testament, they, you know, they talked about the tithe and, and you know, committing first and giving God your first fruits. The Pharisees come to, you know, you know the, Jesus is, is going to be critical of the Pharisees. And he said, you know, you, you're hypocrites. You give a tenth of all these things. You're, you're mint, you're dill, you're cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. There's a rhythm of giving first that Jesus never said, don't do this. He said, do the greater things, but also have this practice of giving back, of giving first. But then finally, get to work with the Holy Spirit. Get to work with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the good news. In the parable, Jesus goes away. And we get the sense that the servants are alone, but the reality of it is we're not alone. Jesus said this, uh, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus did not leave us alone. Is Jesus worth your best? Look at the film, make some adjustments, and let's work with the Spirit. Amen.